Well, thank you, Tom, for our worship, and thank you for that song. It is Pentecost Sunday, so it's just wonderful to be thinking about the Holy Spirit. And I want you all to be thinking about the Holy Spirit as we go through this talk. And um, just remember, well, um, I had a, what do they call it, a FaceTime chat with Pete Clem. And we were saying how everything is so different at the moment. We can't meet together as church. Uh, we can't hug each other. Uh, we're not close. And this Zoom is a bit awkward. Uh, we're trying to make the best of it, but it's di difficult. And Peter had this lovely word of wisdom. And he said, Alan, the one unchanging thing that cannot be interrupted by the virus or by Zoom is that the Holy Spirit is in every room of every person here as we are watching each other. So I'd like you to start thinking that he is with you right now and that you're not left to try and work this thing out by yourself. Some people find Zoom makes them tired, difficult to concentrate, but um, let's remember Holy Spirit is in you and with you. Um, I've been asked to redo my talk on um, In Christ Jesus. So I've tried to summarize it because this Zoom uh, place that we're in uh, wouldn't stand a talk of about 50 minutes. You'd all get it all switched off, I think. So I've tried to summarize it uh, and let's get started looking at the whole thing about being in Christ Jesus. And um, just so that I understand that you're responding to me, do I sound loud enough to you? Yeah, okay, good, thank you. Okay, we've been learning through the grace course that Jesus dealt with everything associated with sin, that inward element that causes evil acts. He destroyed it completely. That's the Greek word hematria. And as I've said in the past, this is not a sermon about uh, our morals. It's not a sermon about how um, wrong actions have consequences. All those things are true. Um, and they're subjects for a different talk. But we're going to be looking at Okay, so Jesus dealt with everything in terms with uh, the sin, but what is it now about being in Christ Jesus that makes such a difference for us as his children? Um, Romans 6 verse 5 says, For since we are permanently grafted into him to experience a death like his, then we are permanently grafted into him to experience a resurrection like his and a new life that it imparts. So here Paul has this revelation that we were grafted into Jesus, another way of saying in Christ Jesus, and that not only did we die, but we also came back to life again with a new life that he gave us. So what was it that died? Well, it's the entire fallen personality has died. Your old depressed self, your old sinful self, the old fearful you was buried, the old anxious, unbelieving you took a bullet. The, your poverty died with him. Your sickness died with him. Every bit of darkness and disease that you once were died with him. Can't be any more clearer. The old you died. And in Father's significant love for you, he placed you in Jesus. So that 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30 says, but of him, that's the father, but of the father, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness 
and sanctification and redemption. So we're being placed into Jesus. And because of that, we're experiencing righteousness. We're experiencing the sanctification of being brought to Jesus and also our redemption. As 2 Corinthians 5.17, I think this is my favorite verse. It's my password to get into anything. So I've just told you my password, so I shouldn't tell you that, should I? Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. All that is related to the older order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. A new way, this is all from the Passion Bible, so a new way of expressing in Christ Jesus. You have been enfolded into Christ and you became totally new when he did that. Everything is fresh and brand new. The new you is happy. Even in this situation of COVID-19, the new you is happy, alive and full of love. You're never short of love. It's pouring out of you. He placed it in you. The new you is full of faith. The new you is prosperous, bold and overflowing with life, hope, peace and fruitfulness. The old critical, introverted you is dead. The new self is completely restored to childlike innocence and trust. That new creation, it says the way that it put it in Corinthians is there's never been another one of these. This is brand new. When you gave your life to Jesus, what happened to you? You became brand new. So we understood that the Father placed us into Christ Jesus. We have that lovely phrase in the Passion that we've been enfolded into Jesus. But I want to just spend a minute thinking about the prodigal son. Luke 15 verses 11 to 32. And you are all familiar with this um, parable. And of course, the prodigal son uh, is a real insight into how Father God deals with us as his children. You know the story. The younger son is determined to have all of his inheritance now. He wants everything. And the father gives him everything and he goes off and he just spends it. And after a while, he discovers that he's nothing left. And the only thing that would be good for him is to return to the father and be a servant in the father's house. And of course, when he comes back, the father just lavishes everything on the son again. He gets the robe, he gets the sandals, he gets the ring on the finger, meaning he has authority in the business. And the big party is thrown. And of course, the father says, my son who is lost has been found. But really, I want to focus on the older son. The older son, while this is going on, is getting quite angry and complains. And he, has, he says, I've been working continually for you, Father. And for these years, not once did you throw a party for me to celebrate my, the older son's, faithfulness and it's at that point that in the in this parable the father says a sentence that i feel that is for us and we need to take hold of it and the sentence is this the father says in verse 32 everything i have is yours to enjoy 
He's speaking to the eldest son and he says, everything I have is for you to enjoy. And it relates back to Mark's sermon the other uh, Sunday when he taught that there was a need for a change in perspective to come. Remember, he was showing us the different colored squares and when he did the wonderful folding of the paper, it was obvious that all the squares had the same color, even though our minds were seeing it in a different way. And what I'm saying is that we need to have that change of perspective come to realize that Father is saying to us that all of his kingdom is for us to enjoy. And we access everything that he has for us to enjoy by changing our perspective, by believing it, and then acting on what he says. But I can hear some questions going on saying, well, Alan, how can you use this parable to do some teaching like that? Um, you know, that's a parable. Maybe you're just twisting it and pulling that one sentence out. But let's look at uh, Galatians 3, verse 29. And since you've been united in Jesus the Messiah, you are now Abraham's child and inherit all of the promises of the kingdom realm. Look what it's saying to us that you've been united. I another way of putting that you're in Jesus or enfolded in Jesus, another way of putting it. And the result of that is that all of the promises of the kingdom realm you now inherit and they become yours to live in, live through, and believe and act on. And of course, all of us who are looking on this screen today are experiencing that. You're experiencing his righteousness in your life. You're experiencing sanctification that has come on you as you gave your life to Jesus. You're experiencing his holiness in your life. You are knowing that he is pouring out upon you continually. And as the kingdom of God is not limited, it is just an expanse that can go further. But I hear maybe some of you saying, well, you know, am I really Abraham's child? Surely that might be focusing more on the Jewish people who came to know Jesus. Well, let's see in Ephesians 3 verse 6. Paul says, here's the secret. Now that always makes me want to go, what's the secret? Somebody's about to tell me something that is very important, that's hidden, that people don't see. And he's going to reveal this secret to me so that it will make a difference in my life. So this is what he says. Here's the secret. The gospel of grace has made you non-Jewish believers into co-heirs of his promise. So it can't be clearer than that, can it? It includes all of us. So the gospel of grace has made you into co-heirs of the promise through your union with him. And you have now become members of his body, one with the anointed one. So father has placed you into jesus and all of the promises of the kingdom are at your fingertips for you to live in that we've been hearing about the small group doing uh, that uh, um, something emotions sanctified emotions something victorious. like that victorious emotions and all of that is renewing of our mind i having a different perspective on the reality of what Jesus has done so that we can then bring into line our emotional life that can take us off on a wrong course. And that's the whole thing that I'm saying that as 
our perspective changed, so then we gain to see more of God's kingdom. But then again, I hear a voice from you saying, okay, Alan, I'm sure that's wonderful, but how can I be absolutely sure it's for me? And it's where I am at right now, in the midst of any struggles I'm having, in the midst of whether I'm struggling with COVID-19 or this whole situation of can't hug each other or meet with each other. How can I know that it's for me? It's lovely you saying I'm in Christ Jesus. And I'm going to just go back many years. If you are as old as me, you will have been to Manchester, um, uh, not Free Trade Hall, uh, Methodist Hall, to listen to a man called Colin Urquhart. And Colin Urquhart used to come regularly to Manchester and one of his regular talks was, you are all in Christ Jesus. And although I would hear that teaching, it would always seem to me to be out of my reach, that there was something I had to do to get into Christ Jesus, to get more in Christ Jesus. And it would always seemed to be linked with um, more prayer, more reading, more study, more church, more, 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 more it always did seem to focus like that and i've always felt that when i came away from colin urquhart's meeting i'd heard truth but i hadn't a clue how to put that truth into practice in my life it was always a struggle and here what i'm trying to share with you is that um we it was the father who placed us in christ jesus i i didn't have anything i had to do with that it was the Father who enfolded me into Christ Jesus. I didn't have anything to do with that. All I did was believed him. And as I believed him, then the promises that he gave becomes mine to live in and enjoy. So coming back to that statement about, well, how can I be absolutely sure that this is for me right now? 2 Corinthians 1, chapter 1, verse 21. What it says is, this is again in the Passion. Now it is God himself who has anointed us. Let's just stop there. That would be one sermon in itself. People keep saying, I would really like to be anointed, the anointing of God on my life. I want to see the anointing of God on my life. Well, let's read this again. Now it is God himself who has anointed us. Let's just simply accept the anointing that rests upon our lives and accept it. God has anointed us. And then it says, and he is constantly strengthening both you and us in union with Christ. So what's Father's job? What's his, you know, 24 hour job? To constantly strengthen you in your union with Jesus. Just think of some of your relatives or friends who are not yet or not following on with Jesus. Father still constantly strengthening their union, still doing it over and over again, constantly strengthening union with Christ. He, that's the Father, the Father knows we are his. Since he has stamped his seal of love over our hearts. And then listen to this and has given us the Holy Spirit, like an engagement ring, is given to a bride, a down payment of the blessings to come. 
How can I know then all that you're saying about being in Christ Jesus, all that you're saying about experiencing the promises of the kingdom? How can I know that it's for me? You can know because of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now wave at me that you have known the Holy Spirit in your life. Give a wave. Okay. You know the Holy Spirit's in you, has filled you, has enabled you to be in this kingdom of God. And it was an engagement ring that Father gave you so that you would know that the promises of the kingdom are yours. So what's the effect then of being in Christ Jesus? Well, let's just think about the um, let's just think about the um, disciples in the Gospels. They seem to be up and down to me. You know, you get Peter. Jesus says, "Who am I?" And Peter says, "Oh, I know who you are. You're the Son of God." And Jesus says, "No, you didn't get that revelation from man. That came from the Spirit of God." And more or less in the next breath. Um, Jesus is telling him that I'm going to go uh, to Jerusalem and then I'm going to die. And Peter says, no, that will never happen to you. I'll protect you. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. So all of a sudden, Peter's had this wonderful revelation of who Jesus is. And then the next breath, he has a terrible revelation of what Jesus is. Do you understand? Um, or they get sent out to do a ministry trip and they do wonderful stuff. And they come back saying, even the demons were subject to us. It's just so marvelous. And then just more or less in the next breath, um, after the Mount of Transfiguration, a, a father brings a boy who is epileptic and says, can you cast the demon out? And they can't do it. And then Pentecost happens. And Pentecost is the promise of the Father. Again, we've seen that the promise of the Father is an engagement ring so that we would know that all of the promises of the kingdom, the Father saying that everything that I have is now yours, we know it because the Spirit of God is poured out upon us uh, powerfully. And of course, in Pentecost, it, oh gosh, it poured out powerfully. And Peter's a changed man from then. And, you know, that he preaches and thousands came to know Jesus at that point. First time he'd ever preached and thousands came to know Jesus. And then he's walking to the temple with John, and there's a paralyzed guy. And as he gets to the temple, um, the guy says, can you give me some money? And Peter goes, I haven't got any money at all, but I'm going to give you what I have. Here, Peter is revealing something. He's revealing that he understands that he now has all the promises of the Father, the promises of the kingdom. He, of course, has been filled with the Spirit of God. And he's aware that within the kingdom, there is healing, there's miracles, there's life, there's freedom. And he reaches down and gets hold of the lad and pulls him up. And instantly the guy walks. And of course, it's a stunning miracle. But let's jump forward now over 2000 years to a gentleman called Peter Carter, who is a doctor. Um, and I was listening to the healing conference that Irvin had recommended. And Peter Carter was one of the speakers. Um, and He's a medical doctor and he was asked to go to um, Brazil, uh, sorry, not Brazil, Mexico, uh, to you know, bring some medical advice to a community that was very poor. Uh, one of the first homes he's taken into is a guy that's paralyzed. His arms are um, paralyzed, his legs are paralyzed. This happened because he was beaten up when he was a three-year-old boy. 
He's now like 18, 20. And he's asked medically what can be done to help. And Peter Carter says, absolutely nothing can be done to help, I'm afraid, medically. Let's just pray for him. So as he's praying, he says he had this real feeling that he should get hold of the young man, lift him up and put him on his feet. And he battled with that thought about doing it because he thought this is going to be so oh, difficult. I'm going to lift the guy up, put him on his feet and will he fall or will he stand? I don't know. It reminds me of Irving's wonderful testimony of going to pray for the man who was dying from cancer, to go and pray in tongues. You know, that real battle to go into that house and do it. It's the same sort of feeling that he had. And he said he got all the guy, lifted him up, and as soon as he put him on his feet, strength came back into his legs, his paralysis stopped, and the guy walked out of the house, of course, incredibly happy. I mean, it's a stunning miracle. It's still happening. The promises of the kingdom are still happening. They're still there for us to be involved with, take part in, and to enjoy. But um, Peter Carter is then taken to the next house where mother has a young baby that's dying. One of the problems in this Mexico um, city is that they have very poor water supply and people die early. And the baby's dying and was asked medically, what can be done? How can we help the baby? And Peter says, there's nothing I can do, I'm afraid. This baby, unfortunately, will die. That evening, um, they're doing a church service and the mother has come with the baby into the church service and Peter's on the ministry team. So Peter goes over to pray for the baby and he lays his hands on the baby and prays for the baby. And in fact, in the 20 minutes that they're praying for the baby, the baby dies. And Peter said he ran out of that church service with so much anger. He was so angry with God. Why, God, you know, do you do a miracle in the morning and the, and the man walks? And here, I'm left praying for a baby and the baby dies. Now, where were you? Where were you in all of this? Because I am just messed up with it. And um, he hears the still voice say to him, Peter, why are you praying? He says, you know why I'm praying. I want a baby healed. It's obvious, isn't it? And he heard the voice again, why are you praying? And he says, as that challenge was coming, he realized there was so much of ambition in him to have wonderful, miraculous stories to tell and not much compassion. And he said, I'm sorry, please fill me with compassion. And he said he had this overwhelming compassion for this baby. I know what that's like. I've had it. It just overwhelms you. You can't do anything but what that compassion wants you to go and do. And he goes back into the church service and the mother's there with the dead baby on her lap. And again, he comes to pray for her and she sa he says, the Holy Spirit says, ask her to put the baby to her breast. Again, he pushes through the embarrassment of that. The mother does it, just the limp baby, nothing. He says, just do it a second time. She does it the second time and the baby takes a deep breath and begins to suck on the breast and was back to life. This is the promises of the kingdom. Yes, all of us may not work in miracles like Peter Carter was doing, but we all have access to a kingdom that is full of life and full of wonder. And because you've been placed in Christ Jesus, it becomes yours to minister to those around you. And distance is not an issue. Remember Jesus, when uh, they brought a uh, servant came to him and says, please could you pay for my master's 
a child and who was some distance away. And Jesus does, and the child is healed at a distance. So distance is not an issue for us. Not an issue for the Holy Spirit, I should say. But just a different example showing you that it's not just miracles of healing. When we had the Manchester Sacred Dance and Drama Group, June wanted a violinist. And she knew that her father had a violinist. And so she asked, Dad, please, could you give me a violinist? And we got a violinist. And we actually got one of the best violinists. I think she was a professional violinist. It was just stunning to hear her play. And that's coming out of this kingdom that's full of life, full of wonder. And we all are now partakers in it. And therefore, we can know that this new life within us that God put is for us and will bring life and wonder to those that we meet and encounter. Okay, that's the end of my talk, and I want to do something a bit different um, in terms of, it's not really different, I want us to ask the Holy Spirit to come. I want us to think about, you know, as it says in Ephesians, um, you know, be filled with the Spirit over and over and over again. And um, what we're going to do, yes, we can't pray for each other, can't lay hands on each other, but the Holy Spirit's with us. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask him to fill you. And I want you to get yourself in the position which you love being in when that happens. Now wave at me. Have you ever been filled with the Holy Spirit? Wave at me if you have. Okay, you know what it's like. You know what happens when he comes on you. Um, you know, you might find it's best to lie down, stand up. You might like to turn the video off. Whatever is best for you, do it. Um, but just invite him. We're going to invite him to fill us, as it says in Ephesians. He loves to do it, and I've seen him do it over and over and over again. And the reason why? Because that's part of us being, you know, um, enabling us to receive and walk in what's full of the kingdom. Okay, so we're going to pray now. So you may like to close your eyes or switch the video off or whatever. But just remember, as I said right at the beginning, the Holy Spirit is with you right now. We haven't got to ask him to come. He's with you right now. But he loves to come. He loves to fill you. And so, Holy Spirit, I just invite you to come upon all of my friends here. I invite you to fill us again afresh. Just remember what it's like when the peace of God is on you. Remember what it's like when the awareness of his presence is with you. Remember what it's like when the bubbling happens or the laughing happens or the shaking happens. Just let your... We ask you to enable us to be more of you and see more of you. Thank you, God. Thank you so much. Thank you. And while we're just doing this, some of you might get a prophetic word or a, um, you might have a, a vision or something. Uh, in a minute, I'll just ask you to share those things of what God's doing if we have a few minutes left. But let's just keep letting the Spirit of God fill us. More God, let it come. Let it come. We receive you. Thank you, Father, that you are constantly increasing our union 
with Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you have placed us in Jesus. We thank you for that. Thank you, Father, that all that you have is ours to enjoy. We thank you for that. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay. You can, if you've got, you know, you've heard something from the Holy Spirit or you're sensing from the Holy Spirit, you want to share it, wave at us, and then maybe Dave can make it possible for you to speak. Oh, looks like Mark's waving, Dave. Now they can. I just got um, this refiner's fire, but it seemed to be in a circle and passing through. And um, it was a sim that simple thing of this um, jeweler um, making this perfect um, piece, having gone through the refiner's fire. 